Well, let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 71. And as you're turning, let me just say what a, what a privilege it is for us to be able to share prayer requests and words of uh, testimony of persecution, of family concern, of, of illness, and of those we love who are in need. Uh, this is part of our Christian calling to bear each other's burdens, uh, that we do not walk alone, but rather walk together in the body of Christ as well as our singing together uh, that's an encouragement to us, spiritually one to another. Uh, This evening we come to Psalm 71 in our series. Uh, Last uh, time we were together, Psalm 70 had five verses. Tonight we have 24, so it's a larger chunk, uh, but uh, all of it inspired by God and errant and true. Hear the word of the Lord. In you, Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off. In the time of old age, forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again from the depths of the earth. You will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with a harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel, my lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. 
and my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. For they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, our Father and our God, we thank you that your word is true and sure, that it talks about our past, our present, and our future. That these inspired words speak to us what we need to hear from the very mouth of God. And so we ask, O Lord, that you might aid in the preaching of your word, that the reading and preaching of your word might see under the powerful hand of your Holy Spirit it driven deep into our hearts, that we might be transformed in the way we think and live and feel. To the glory of Christ we pray. Amen. Well, we're on Psalm 71, and and it's been many years since this series on the Psalms, sometimes taken up in the evenings or in the mornings, uh, uh, was first begun. Pastor John Carroll began this series, what I'm sure is probably a decade ago, and he, he had no idea at the time that this night would come. But God knew. God is the Sovereign Lord, and He decreed every text and every sermon, and He has appointed us tonight together to gather around this psalm. Just over six months ago, my father was diagnosed with cancer and and came to live here in Katy. And just two months ago, the Lord took him home. And the Lord also prepared this text for this night in light of this experience that your pastor and his family have been through. It came as no surprise when I turned the page of Holy Writ and began looking and studying at the next set of Psalms to discover that Psalm 71 was there, quietly waiting, dealing with the topic of death. Now, providence is also kind. And they're little tokens of encouragement. And I can't tell you how my heart rejoices that Psalm 71 and the providence of God is wed to pie. Because if it were just the psalm, this is a topic heavy and hard. But there's pie after the sermon. Um, as the psalmist says, after darkness light. You know, nobody likes to talk about dying. But I must confess to you that it has been my desire at some point as the Lord and His Word open the topic to deal very straightforwardly and and I hope ultimately very helpfully to you on this subject. You see, it's not that my family's experiences are unique, but preaching is unique. It is not just the reading of the Word but it's the preaching of the Word that occurs in the context of human experience. Not that our human experience changes what the text says, but our human experience can bring in focus, can help us all more easily see what the text has always said and what importance it has for our lives. Grace given and received during the ups and the downs of life is frankly more useful to a congregation. There's nothing more useless than a perfect pastor 
who never has struggles and who can't sympathize with your weaknesses. But here in the passage before us, we have a weakness common to us all, facing death and not knowing what to think or what to feel. We don't like to talk about the end. As a matter of fact, the heel of the loaf is the most despised piece of bread. Sometimes it's tossed away in disgust. But when we get to the end of our rope, it's always an anxious handful that concerns our soul. But God gives us ends. And God, is He not the inventor of death? Oh, we might think that it was our first father and our first mother that invented it, but then we remember that it was God in the covenant of works in the garden who told our first father that on the day that you shall eat from it, you shall surely die. Death involves something common to our human condition today because we're all the fallen sons and daughters of our first father Adam and our first mother Eve. Only one down through human history was not in Adam because of his divine person. He added a human body and a human self to him, to his person. He, he added a human body through the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit overshadowing his mother Mary. His father was uninvolved except legally having his name on the papers, as it were. And he had a real human soul. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, his father was God. And yet, he is able to sympathize with your weaknesses. And he's even able to sympathize at this point. He himself has faced and triumphed over death. And so tonight, we do well to come in the providence of God to Psalm 71 and the ultimate leveler, death. Here the psalmist sings in a minor key. But he sings something that we really need to hear in order to prepare us all for the road that lies ahead. You see, the psalmist sings for us that you can die well. You can die well by the grace of God. Now, the first point that I want to draw out of the text, and I think fairly is made by it, is a common truth that we all know or should know. Growing old is only for the brave. It's only for those with guts and with strength. You see, because verse 9 tells us that in growing old, our strength becomes spent. Do not cast me off in the time of old age, the psalmist sings. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. Uh, this is a truth that if you are under age 50, you cannot understand in the least. I'm now in my 50s and I, I have friends who tell me, Oh, if you think it's bad now, you just wait until you're 60 or 70 or 80. 
you know that feeling when you wake up in the morning and you creak and it's it's hard to move and and you walk across the tile and your feet crumple underneath you 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 just think what has happened why why am i not able to jump out of bed like i could as a child i remember the one time as a as a very wee little one i think i must have been in first or second grade I, I got that condition, the only condition of which I know that really holds a child down from bouncing out of bed. It was a crick in the neck. I, I couldn't turn to the right or left. I, I couldn't pick my head up off the pillow. I can remember my mother, I think it was uh, Cheerios or, or was it Captain Crunch? Some, some incentive finally getting me to move feet to the floor and make my way to, to the kitchen. But that crick in the neck and those creaky feelings, they, they come with us as our strength is spent in older age. My father was someone who, as I was growing up, could always outwork me. It, it actually didn't much matter what we were doing. We're, we sometimes were building a, a, uh, a shop out in the backyard. Other times we were digging foundations. Uh, I can remember digging the sewer line and and being uh, being underground, as it were, turned to the side, lifting shovels of dirt up over my head with him uh, holding on the other end. Oh, oh! I can remember becoming tired and exhausted in the garden and, and whining while picking tomatoes or cabbage or, or cucumbers. And Dad could always outwork me. And he always would chuckle and shake his head and I would sit over to the side. But it was not always that way. That's the way it was. But then as the years went by, I remember the day that I realized that, that I was asking too much of my father physically, that, that he had reached his limit, uh, that there was a glass ceiling and, and it was too much labor or too much analysis or too much work to ask at his stage in life, uh, that that which uh, he would do should be governed and shaped and, and dialed in just to the right amount. It was fitting for him in his situation. That's true for all of us. As we become older, we don't always work at the same pace. We work smarter, but not always harder as our strength is spent. And that's one reason why growing old is not for the faint of heart. But verse 18 makes that uh, strong statement that even to old, air, uh, old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me. Gray hairs come if they don't fall out first. Gray hairs come and age sets upon us. And so we feel in our bones, but also appear in our face, in our demeanor, the impact of the years turning and going by. I don't think I've ever told you before about my uncle Arthur. You know, he almost lived to 100. He was quite a man. A a very tall and athletic man in his uh, youth, I understand. But in his old age, he was slumped over. And and when Shirley and I were first married, uh, we were up in, in Boston going to school and we were invited to Springfield, Massachusetts for our first Thanksgiving. His wife, Aunt Mary, uh, she... uh, She was quite a southern lady. Her father had been the pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. 
her father's name, actually a letter from him, extolling the virtues of his great professor, Robert Louis Dabney, is, is in Robert Louis Dabney's life and letters. He was something of an important figure in that Appalachian region uh, of Virginia uh, back in his day. And she had, had refused to marry him uh, when he had first asked. He had to wait for quite some time because her mother had died when she was a teen and, and she remained in the manse as the lady of the manse. And she kept the manse operating and kept her father's ministry in order as was so much required with, with hospitality in those days. And once his ministry was set to the side, she then felt free to marry and uh, they uh, were wed. She was very particular about um, kinds of silver setting and service of which, to be frank, I, it's utter mystery to me. You know, you can go on the Internet, I hear, and, and they have this grand design of, of where the finger bowl goes and all the different little pieces of silver, um, kinds of cutlery that I think were invented by cutlery salesmen and manufacturing companies. And there we were in their dining room, just the four of us, my, my fairly new bride and, and myself and my great aunt and my great uncle. And, and Uncle Arthur was there struggling with the turkey. He, he was having some difficulty carving it. He, he had gotten out an electric knife. I don't know if they still make those. But he, he had one of those out and, and he was slumped over the turkey working hard. And Aunt Mary began to instruct him as to how to cut the turkey in. And I had never seen it before. He raised himself up straight as a board, almost to the ceiling, and he lifted up the electric knife, and he went, zzz, 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 in her face, and back to the turkey he went. Aunt Mary said, I think he wants me to be quiet. It was one of those familial moments. Well, all of that, the stoop, the... The dry wit of reaction without a word spoken, all of it bespoke of gray hair but wise hair. My grandmother, before her death, the last time I saw her, we sat around a, a table in um, the assisted living facility where she was staying. And, and she looked at me and she said, you know, Every morning I get up and she said, I feel like I'm 17, 16 or 17. That's the way I feel. And I wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror and I get a fright. There's this old woman staring back at me. That's what the psalmist is singing about. He's singing about old age and, and the, the garland of gray which comes around our head, which, yes, can speak of wisdom, but... Each and every strand also sings to us here of the need to be brave in the face of growing old. And why do I say that? Well, verse 20, I think, focuses even more on the challenges that we face. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again from the depths of the earth. You will bring me up again. I'll say more about that particular verse later, but... But note that the psalmist is singing about your life as it rolls along, as you walk around, along the road of life to the celestial city, that your life is filled not just with easy things, not just with comfortable days, but it's also filled with great troubles. 
Here the psalmist is speaking of the troubles and calamities which beset us in a fallen world. It wasn't always intended to be this way. God had placed our, created and placed our first father and our first mother in a garden where all was right in the world. And then the liar came and they chose the darkness rather than the light. And we were all plunged into sin and misery. Every ache, every pain, every conflict with family, every tension and dislocation in our lives, we do well to remember, even in the sadness, that that only comes because of that sad day. That day in which our first father and first mother sinned, in which we and our our first father, our head, sinned as well. And our lives have been a walking through, not a garden, but a land filled with thorns and thistles and a very hot sun upon us. Now that's the reality of what life is like. And, And therefore, as we grow old, we have three simple options. Many flee into deception. They deceive themselves, or at least try to. Uh, They say everything's all right. They, They don't want to face the reality that they feel. Others are at the opposite extreme. And the feelings of calamity overwhelm, and they're plunged into depression. Some even hiding in depression. You know, at least feeling something, no matter how bad, is better than feeling nothing on some days. But here the psalmist is showing us another way. Not a middle way between the two, where some days we are very happy and go lucky, and other days we feel very sad. But rather a more direct and straightforward and honest and truthful way. David sings... The church sings Psalm 71. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ sang Psalm 71 to the top of His lungs and voice. Our minds being filled, our hearts even being taught the truth of the fact that yes, growing old is only for the brave and we must look to God. The psalmist is direct and so should you be about your situation and about the path you are walking. You should not live in denial, but rather you should deal with yourself as Paul commands you to deal with every other, speaking the truth in love. You should speak the truth in trust as well of your great Lord Jesus Christ and of His heavenly Father, each step of the way. You see, because there's another truth taught in this passage, and that is that God is faithful to His covenant people all through the years. He's faithful to you if you're in Christ each step of the way. Verses 5 and 6 say, For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth, Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. Now that's some 
serious anthropology. It teaches us here about the nature of man, and it particularly testifies to us of personhood having begun even before birth, from conception forward. We are known by the Lord and indeed can speak in the first person reflectively about those experiences. The Lord is your hope from your youth, believer. You see, you go from being a covenant child, if you hear the voice of the psalmist, all the way through to being a covenant senior. One who is born in the covenant community and enjoys the means of grace and the blessings of a covenant child, even the sign of the covenant that's given in baptism. And all of life through is a movement towards God through thick and thin, towards that appointed day when you get promoted and when He takes you to be with Him. For indeed, you shall see Him face to face. Yes, we start off as covenant children, but we progress to being covenant seniors. In the great parabola of life, it is very easy for us to despair, forgetting the fact that God is our God and that He is our hope. And verse 17 tells you that it's not just a a stroll along the way. The Lord is with you and the Lord instructs you. The Lord here says in verse 17, O God, From my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. The Lord has you enrolled in school all the way through life. Now, before the children run out in terror, at different stages of life it comes in different ways. Uh, This morning, Mom and Dad probably went to Sunday school too, and that's... Okay, that's good. The Lord has us enrolled no matter what our station and our age. You know, it's all the rage now for universities to offer elder classes and elder courses. And the Lord has us enrolled automatically in elder courses in His Word and in His Spirit as we walk through this life. And the Lord tells us that He is fully sufficient for us in verse 19. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the highest heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you, He is mighty, He is able, He is faithful, even when you don't feel quite up to it, or even feel that He truly is. The lesson of Psalm 71 is simple. Yes, we we need to be brave to face our older age, but God is faithful, and therefore you can trust Him even as the lights grow dim. The promise is here, and it's strong and direct, that God will display His glory through you. Verse 7, I have been as a portent to many, But you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. You know, if you're wondering what to do in in your senior years, the, the top number one thing on your list should be to give glory and praise to God for who you are and all that you say and what you do. Oh, you you need to be concerned about your pension and and your portfolio and and 
Brood over the grandchildren, that's great. That's a good thing to do. Uh, You need to be concerned for the upcoming generation. You need to care about your community. You should be involved in your church. But all of those should be done under the umbrella of the more fundamental and important thing, which is in all of life, giving all glory to God. And you should declare His mighty deeds Verses 14 to 16 speak of hoping continually in God, praising Him more and more. And then verse 15, My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. Here, along with verse 18, So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation. We learn from the psalmist singing that we should declare God's deeds, His mighty deeds in our old age. You see, there are younger eyes watching. There are younger ears listening. And they pick up on much more than you know. They and their future hangs in the balance not just your own. When my father was dying, and when he knew it, and we didn't much want to face it, there was something that he said and something that he did or asked for that that I will carry with me the rest of my life. He was was a a very, well, shall I say it, hard-shell Presbyterian. Uh, He was... uh, a fairly reformed kind of guy, had a strong grasp of the sovereignty of God. And he kept saying to me and to the family, to his grandchildren, God is in control and it will be fine. And so we do well to bear testimony to God's mighty deeds and to his sovereignty and not flinch as we trust him walking at the end of the road as well. And then another thing which he requested, which was so sweet for our family, as it was clear he had made his mind up that it looked like the Lord's providence was going to take him home, he he became very, very sweet, sweeter than ever before, really in some ways. Sweet in, in calling the family to be near him. Sweet in asking me to please pray with him and to God, thanking the Lord for all the blessings that he had given our family, thanking the Lord for each one of the children and praying for their futures. An active, involved, committed concern raised up in prayer and thankfulness to God. Oh, Younger eyes are watching and younger ears are hearing and we do well to take note and shape our lives and words in their light. And all the way through, there's a great encouragement here. As Jesus sang this psalm, no doubt, He Himself in His human mind came to grasp more thoroughly the resurrection light that He Himself would enjoy. In verse 20 we read, You who have made me see troubles and calamities, 
will revive me again from the depths of the earth. You will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. And so too we hold on to those words. Language pointing to resurrection. Death comes, but don't listen to the devil. It's not the end. It's not the end. There will be angels, which He promises for His children, that will be there to safely carry you over into the very presence of God. And you will come back, and your body will be raised in His good time to glory, and you will yet breathe and walk and see Him again. Hang on to that. Because Satan will whisper in your ears, even in your dying moments, that there is no hope and all is undone. But that is simply just not true. You see, we are very often given to worry exclusively about our bodies. It's 7.01 and I need to stop because you're worried about your stomachs right now. And oh, your tongues are going to be sweet in just a moment. But God shows concern in this text for our souls as well. You see, the penalty of death because of our sin and rebellion is transformed for the believer because of the sacrifice of Christ. And the suffering of the body that we undergo gives way to and gives rise to greater Christ-likeness for the soul. It is a privilege for us to be in that Christ-like position where we too give our final breath and commit our souls to God. Walking in His way, He receives glory. And we can walk in that way trusting and sure that He is there for us and He will see us safely through. If even Jesus was perfected through sufferings and He was perfect from before it ever began, so too you can receive even the very blessings of heaven as we, His body, the church, are made more like Him as we tread the road that He first trod before us. But we never walk alone. He is always with you. He is there, more surely holding your hand than any family member or doctor or nurse. He is with us by the power of His Holy Spirit and the presence of His divinity. If He rose to His feet when Stephen passed over, will He not also notice you as you come? If He sees a sparrow that falls, will He not welcome you into His presence, believer? He will surely welcome you. And you can trust Him in that journey each and every step of the way. Let us pray. Oh, our Father and our God, we do pray that You would help us to live well and to die well. And may You get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.